For thousands of years, we've been under the impression the Bible is meant to be taken seriously. Finally, a new translation that'll change all that. This is Oh My God, What the Fuck Bible! Welcome to episode 17 of Oh My God, What the Fuck Bible with me, David Tuckman. We're coming to you from the Stand and Street Shul in front of a live audience. Let's hear it, guys. Yeah! This is exciting. Each month on the show, a guest joins me and tries to read as many chapters as possible of my own personal translation of the Old Testament from the original Hebrew while I make fun of it. We are in a shul here, which is weird for me. There's an Aaron Kodesh behind me. There is the actual scroll of the Torah, but it's blocked by a metal gate because otherwise I would just be a little bit too uncomfortable to use the F-bomb like I just did. Thank you for being here. Today is Wednesday, January 22nd, 2014. Um, we are here. There is food from Mason and Mug. But there's a secret reason that I'll get to later that it's here. There are drinks. Uh, this entire event, the sound system has all been provided by a generous grant from the UJA Federation. So let's hear it for them. Um, last month I announced that I had finally finished editing Bereshit or Genesis, the first book of my translation. Um, and to celebrate that, I'd like to have a kiddush with everyone here. I bought a bottle of rye. Uh, and you're all welcome to share El Chaim with me afterwards. Just something that can happen if you come to the show. Um, and also, I'm very excited to show everybody this mug that I had made. Um, this is the official Oh My God, What the Fuck Bible mug that I will be drinking out of later. Um, and it's just great. I, I just have one. But <laughs> soon there will be more. I was able to prove that I can do this using staples.com, so that's great. After the show, we're going to have a bit of a conversation about what we just read, so everyone here is welcome to stay for that as well and to drink. I'll be here until 10, uh, and so our guest. Next episode, just to get through the rest of the business, will be at Gathering of Tribes. It'll be with a guy named Ari Mendel, who on the internet goes by Rahmana Litzlan and is a very interesting character. It'll happen on February at 8 p.m., so be there for that. Uh, Gathering of Tribes is a strange little art gallery run out of um, a man's apartment. Uh, on East 3rd Street. It's a really cool place. But let's bring our guest up. Are you guys ready for our guest? <laughs> this man uh, <laughs> is very overeager. He's very excited to be up here. Um, he wrote a book that I read recently called Yom Kippur A Go-Go, and he most recently read a book called My First Kafka, which is a retelling, like what I'm doing, of uh, some of Kafka's short stories as a children's book. Please welcome to the stage, Matthew Roth. Also, he has a beard and payas and yarmulke and sits is hanging out. I forgot to mention, he's orthodox. <laughs> so that's, that's, we're in a shul. But do you know that? I guess I don't. Are you orthodox? Uh, the, the... That's a very limiting thing, I guess. Well, well tell us a little bit about yourself, Matthew. How, what do you do? Um, I write. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a storyteller. Cool. Uh, I write books. I, these days, um, my day job is I design video games, which it means that I write video games, but it sounds cooler to say design. Yes, definitely. Um, you design the story of video games. I design That's the story, perfect. and then I throw it to the people who like make art and make battle things shoot out of people's hands, and then um, I get it back, and I write the dialogue. That's awesome. But So right now, we're going to talk about the Torah. We're going to read a little bit from the Bible. Um, so I wanted to ask you a little bit about your religious background. Right now, you are pretty identifiably Jewish, but is that how you grew up? How did, what was your upbringing like? I grew up, um, I grew up uh, 
conservative, which is what people call something that's like not very conservative at all. Um, <laughs> I, I, I grew up, you know, like going, going to synagogue. I wasn't one of those people who like only showed who the my parents like only dragged me for the, like the last 10 minutes of Yom Kippur. Um, I w we'd, we'd go like, we'd go on Friday nights sometimes when there was nothing good on TV and we'd go like, <laughs> we, we wouldn't go for like, there's just never anything good on TV on Friday nights. <laughs> That is so not true. Nobody TGI here laughed because we all 80s. keep Shabbos here, I guess. Sorry? Uh, I know. I, I, <laughs> the dude with Payas is the one who's like, no, there is good stuff on TV. <laughs> um, no, in the, this, I, I grew up in the 80s, and like, which really means the early 90s, I guess. Um, like TGIF. That, there was this one show, Going Places. I only saw it once, but like, the theme song is still in my head. And I think it was like a proto-Friends it, it opened with like a shot of four people in a convertible cruising down, and I was like, I want to be a young person in a convertible, like sitting possibly next to a girl. And <laughs> that was that was Friday night for or me. Or just that in the passenger the seat alone, to going to synagogue. I have no idea what you're talking about because <laughs> I grew up Orthodox. <laughs> I'm so jealous. Um, but but I. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but um, I, I, I was a nerd. I would never sit next to a girl in a car, a convertible or otherwise. And, um, and, and, and when I was like 10 years old, I started like begging my parents to take me to synagogue Saturday mornings at like 8.30 when we started. <laughs> I was the only person under 80 there. You were the only person who probably ever begged their parents to take them to synagogue. <laughs> um, I'd say yes, but like, like I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm, that's there true. are people in the Bible. Absolutely. 3,000 years ago, there was somebody else who begged their parents <laughs> to take them to synagogue. Um, so, but now you're, you're a little bit more observant. And your book, uh, Yom Kippur Agogo, at least, um, talks about a time when you've already become orthodox or you've, become, you've embraced a more observant form of Judaism. How did you get to that place? Um, trial and error. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Emphasis on the error. Um, I... When I was 13, all of my friends, um, all of my friends joined this. There, there was a conservative synagogue, but um, they had an Orthodox youth group. There was this guy who I think like just sort of brashly, cover uncovertly like took over the synagogue's youth group because no one else was doing it, and um, and it was an Orthodox youth group. It was NCSY. Uh, yeah. Which you were probably in, or, I or knew probably about. consciously tried not to be in. Yeah, they were a little bit too liberal for us. Yeah, <laughs> hardcore. Yeah, we no, it, it was weird because like nobody was Orthodox except we were all like they had co-educational activities. We we had a dance. There was a dance that nobody was allowed to dance at. <laughs> so it was just a stand, I guess. There was like music. There was like three quarters of the auditorium was empty, and then there was like a bowl of, of like cheese balls. We were all, <laughs> That's amazing. So, but but, so that brought you to orthodoxy, I guess. I mean, how? So no, 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 no. Actually, it didn't. Um, <laughs> I was I was in it for a year, and I was like really excited. And we lived right near this orthodox community, which, as it turns out, is led by like the first cousin thrice removed of my wife, um, because that's how orthodoxy yeah people work. Um, <laughs> and and I always saw all of these people in like black and white and beards and like the hats just drifting along the streets, like as I was coming home from shul and school on Friday as they were going to shul. And I always were, I, I, was, I was like, they're aliens. And I love aliens. I was like totally fascinated. But it never occurred to me that like they were people, that like I could actually be a person with a long, mm -hmm. with a beard. And I mean, I was also now. like 13 desperately wishing right. that I'd grow facial hair. It was hair. more about facial hair than anything else. <laughs> um, and, and, and then I like 
turned 14, I like quit everything. I became punk rock. And then when I was 20, I, I, I was like, you know, I, I was a comparative religion major in college. Uh huh. And I was like, you know, writing these like 20 page long reports on people who, who become Buddhist monks and give up everything. And, I'm, and, and one of the Buddhist monks I was interviewing, actually a nun, um, her name was Puratsumi. And she, she'd like, she grew up in Laos and she, she like left everything and her entire family was like killed because she left. And she was doing all of this advocacy work and like, and she had nothing left and she was living on a farm in Manassas, Virginia, which is not a place where they treat Laotian people well. And she's like, so what about you? What do you do with your religion? And I'm like, duh. <laughs> I'm like, I should get a better answer. And you did. And I tried. So let me ask, I mean, you believe in God, I imagine. Yeah. Okay. And you, for you, the Torah is, is the word of God. Yeah. Okay. I mean, this is just stuff that I go through with my guests, trying to find out just the different perspectives on the stuff that exists out there. Um, but I imagine you've read the whole thing, at least, or at least parts of it. I, I, I try. <laughs> What's your favorite story or character in it? Or in the Tanakh? Okay. Yes. In the, Tan the Tanakh is a whole other thing, because... Like, once you get past the Torah, like, yes. the, the, pro the prophets are crazy. Yes. But, wait, the you Torah's for Godcast, or you write for Godcast, and there was a really cool one recently Thanks. on Ehud, who I can't wait to get to. But go ahead. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, I wrote that one. Yes. Um, oh, then someone rewrote. Okay, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not holding it against them. Um, Ehud's crazy. There's, like, they actually toned it down for the cartoon. Like, Ehud, <laughs> um, Ehud is a prophet, but he, like, stabs this this king in his stomach and like makes a slit and all of the ex and this king is like horrifically fat and like binge eats and that's how he gets into the king um he let he brings the king like a feast carrying by himself as he's like a prisoner and he says no but i have food and the guards are like oh our king likes food so <laughs> his the king's name is eglon which sounds like I sounds like an obese person sounds name. like a gremlin name <laughs> um <laughs> and an, ob an obese gremlin so he comes in and, and he's like, I can, I, I'm going to give the king a surprise feast, but I can only do it totally alone. And the guards are like, okay, well, we'll just like wait by the entrance. And he's like, no, totally alone. So the guards leave and he, ta he takes the plate, throws it into the king, takes out a double-edged sword. Like Darth Maul. Like Darth Maul. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Stabs the king in his gut, slits him open, and all the excrement from all the food that he's eaten in weeks begins pouring out. Beautiful. Um, but that's not my favorite story. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite story? Um, but if you want to watch that, you can go to godcast.com slash, I don't know, it, it's on <laughs> godcast.com slash king with excrement falling out of his stomach. My favorite story is, is, is in Numbers in Bamidbar. Mm -hmm. um, with, and and um, the Israelites are trapped in the desert and they're all dying of a plague. And these, and, and these, um, these snakes come and they're giant flaming snakes. And I had no idea this was in it. Um, I learned about this when we were doing Godcast. And then, like, Moses goes to God, and he's like, God, there's giant flaming snakes. And God's like, I know, I created everything. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, WTFOMG, do we do? Oh. And sorry, I abdicated your no, 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 and, no. and And God's like, well, why don't you try building an idol? And then and, and they, he does. He builds a giant bronze flaming snake. Uh, um, with, with, and, and basically I'm trying to like not make this into a whole chapter cause we've got, chapters. no, no, no. It's fine. Um, and basically they like the, the, 
the, the Jew, Moses, Moses prays to the snake, and, but he's not praying to the snake. He's praying through the snake to God. And this is like to teach us, um, I mean, I don't know, there's a <laughs> rabbi sitting in the back it's row who's like... It's to teach us how to get I, rid of pests. It, it's to teach us that like, <laughs> that like we don't pray to idols. There, it's just like something on earth. It's that, a conduit. Like, go, yeah. In a way. I, okay. I mean, I, can't I don't know, to, it's a weird story. I can't wait to get to it, because I had no idea until you told me about that, that that story's in You've there. You've got, like, 60 chapters oh, before it happens. more than that. <laughs> but there's Rye. One more question before we get into this. What's your first memory of me? I ask this of all my guests. My first memory? Yes. Of the Torah? No, of me. <laughs> of you? Yeah. Um, if you can remember. I remember that I came across you on the internet at because I was googling naked pictures of you. What? Hi, <laughs> Torah. Um, no, I, I came across I came across the uh, uh, MG WTF Bible site, and I and I was like, oh, this would be good for. I just quit my job at My Jewish Learning, which mm-hmm. I'd been a professional Jew for four years, and was like, <laughs> okay, now I'm doing video games, video games, video games, and the video games I do are not Jewish. They're um, we're we're doing a video game about Shakespeare. I'll tell you that later. Okay, cool. I'm excited um, for that. We can like trade Shakespeare lines, <laughs> MC rap battle Shakespeare, and um, I don't know why I just said that. It might happen. Um, <laughs> and 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 I sent it to my friend Julia, and right. um, and Julia wrote it up as an article. Oh, cool. Then she ended up being here. Yes. And, and now you're here. And now I'm here. Awesome. Let's get into it. Okay. <laughs> so. To set it up, previously in the Bible, God created everything, including Yaakov and his angry brother Esav. Yaakov had a bunch of kids. Esav ran off to live in a place called Seir. This is Torah, a loose translation. In the beginning, chapter 35, or if you're following along in the whole transi- traditional chapterization, uh, Genesis 36.20 to Genesis 36.30, in which we learn about a bunch of people who are definitely dead by now. These are the sons of Seir the Chayri, who lived in the land. The land of Seir, where Esav likes to hang out. Lotan, Shoval, Tzvion, Anna, Dishon, Etzer, Dishan. These were the clans of the Chayri, the, Chayri, the, Chayri, the sons of Seir, in the land of Edom. Lotan's sons were Chori and ha, Ha'imam. Right. Um, I practice saying all these names, and then it's all They're going to so, fall apart. No, no, I know. Um, <laughs> Lotan's sons were Choyri and Haimam. Lotan's sister was Timna. Timna, if you recall from chapter 34, uh, is Eliphaz's mistress, Eliphaz being one of Esau's kids. Apparently in Divrei Hayamim, or Chronicles, she is mentioned as Eliphaz's daughter. So, ew. <laughs> Shoval's sons were Alvan. Alvan! Manchat, Eval, Shpo, and Onam. Sivan's sons were Aya and Anna. So uh, on the previous page, we said that Anna was the son of Seir. Rashi, uh, the medieval commentator who I like to quote from literally, says that actually Tzvion had sex with his own mother, so Anna is his brother and her son. But that's a little weird because Anna is listed under Seir as his son um, and doesn't say anything about the mother. It's not saying it's the mother's son. It's possible that maybe they were just two Annas. Rashi hadn't thought of that. Anna, by the way, found the Yemim in the desert while caring for his father Tzivon's donkeys. Nobody knows what the word Yemim or Yemim means. Uh, translations range from hot springs 
two mules to animated a male donkey with a female horse and brought the abomination that are mules into this world. Which... Not, yeah, no, like, Rashi's literally like, no, mules are terrible. <laughs> the Torah commentators hated mules. Rashi totally has a thing about animals. Yeah. I, I don't mean to check, but he, there's, there's this one part where he, like, goes off and off and off on, like, on mice that, like, come into existence through dust. That's okay. Dust mice. And he speaks French, which is also strange. Yes. Um, and, like, when... when <laughs> That's when, like, the weirder thing about him. It is. You're reading the Bible. You don't expect, like, <laughs> French. And when he cannot explain something in Hebrew, he's just like, yeah, this is just... what it means in French. <laughs> okay. Um, mules. Anna's children were Dishon and Ahalibama, daughter of Anna. So, Alibama appeared last chapter. She hooked up with Asav. Um, I'm sorry I keep coming up and trying to explain this. This is very complicated. I had to draw a chart to figure it out, but we're going to get through this. I promise. It'll be over soon. Dishan's sons were Chemdan, Eshban, Yitran, and Hran. Oh, Dishan was one of those fathers who all his kids' names had a rhyme. <laughs> Reality show. Yeah. Hashtag. Itzer's children were Bilhan, Zaavan, and Akan. Oh, his kids' names rhyme with Dishan, too. Dishan's sons were Utz and Aran. I'm not even going to get into the whole thing where there are multiple Dishans, but we can move on. <laughs> Because nobody in the Bible, like, had the same name. No. <laughs> it's like TV sitcoms that would get too confusing. These are the clans of the Chori. Clan Lotan, Clan Shoval, Clan Sion, Clan Anna, Clan Dishon. Even though Dishon, Dishon, sorry, there's Dishon, Dishon and Dishon. Dishon didn't have any kids, but he's still a clan. Don't know why. Clan, it's like a clan of one. Yeah. <laughs> like Army of One. Like that guy drinking alone in the bar. Exactly. Welcome to my clan. <laughs> I feel you, brother. Clan Aetzir, <laughs> Clan Dishan. Right. These were the clans of the Khoiri and the people in the land of Seir. That's chapter 35. Let's move on to chapter 36. Soon there will be a real narrative, I promise. This is Genesis 36, 31 to 36, 43. In the beginning, 36, in which we hear about a bunch of kings. These are the kings who reigned in the land of Edom before... <laughs> I'm sorry. These are the kings who reigned in the land of Edom before the reign of the king of the children of Yisrael. What? Okay. Bela, son of Beor... This had to last, like... This has to last 7,000 years, like... Yeah, no, 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 no. There's, like, a whole thing in Rashi where it's, like, this is concurrent with, like, the major kings of Israel from, like, Saul and David and on. You really wonder, like, the, Jews, Jews are really mathematical. I say this as someone with no mathematical ability. <laughs> but, like, why didn't, they why didn't we create charts? I don't know. We I wish we like, did. Parchment. This would be so much easier if we did. Or just one of those, like, like silver family trees that my grandparents have. <laughs> you got yourself into this. Yes. Bela, son of Beor, ruled in Edom, and his city was called Dinhava. Great. Bela died, and Yovav, son of Zerach, from Batsra, ruled in his place. Yovav died, and Husham, <laughs> from the land of, of, the Taima, of the Taimani, ruled in his place. Husham died, and Hadad, son of Budad, <laughs> who slaughtered Midian in the fields of Moab, ruled in his stead. His city was called Avit. We have two more pages. We're almost there. Can, I'm sorry I keep interjecting. I'm no, 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 no go ahead. I really want to have, like, a by-the-way after my name as, like, who slaughtered Midian in the fields of Moab? 
I want to be like Nimrod, who is known as the strongest man ever. I know, just like the hunter. Yes. Hadad died. Samla from Masreka ruled after him. When Samla died, Shaul from Rehovot Hanahar took over. Eventually, Shaul died. Balchanan, son of Achbor, ruled after him. Akbar. Akbar. As all men do, Balchanan, son of Achbor, died. Yep. It's as all men do. That's really poetic. <laughs> Women too, but we won't get into it. No, 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 they're depressing. not. This is Tanakh. Hadar reigned in his stead. Women die off camera in this. <laughs> his city. His city was called Pu. 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 Mehetabel, the daughter of Matrir, son of Mezahav, was his woman. So Rashi says that uh, the name Mezahav is really kind of amazing. Mezahav means what is gold. So Mezahav, the guy, was so damn rich, he was just all like, what is gold? These are the names of the clan of Esav by family and by place. Let's see if these names match the names we went through in chapter 34, because that's the only way I can stay entertained by this. Clan Timnah. Nope. Clan Alva. Nope. Clan Yatate. Mm. Clan Ahalibama. That was a woman, but she was there. Clan Ela. No. Clan Pinon. Mm. Clan Knots. Okay, I remember him. Clan Taimon. Him too. Clan Mibzar. Not him. Clan Magdiel. Supposedly this guy is becomes Rome, um, but we're almost there. One more. Clan Aram. And we're done. These were the clans of Edom, arranged by their settlements in the land they had. And Esav was the father of Edom. And now back to a true narrative. No more lists. Here we go. Genesis 37, 1 to 37, 12. In the beginning, chapter 37, in which Yaakov, like his father before him, plays favorites. Yaakov settled in the same land his fathers lived in, Canaan. These are his stories. Chun, chun. Um... Also, Rashi goes into a very long digression here about how all the Asaph and Seir stuff that we just covered, even though it did go on a little long, is kind of skimmed over in comparison to what we learn about Yaakov's family. Uh, like the same way that the generations between Adam and Noah and the generations between Noah and Abraham are also really just skipped over. It's just a list. According to Rashi, this is not to imply that nothing happened in those times or among those families, but because Yaakov and his sons are important enough in the eyes of God to include in this narrative. He goes into a whole metaphor about pearl and the sand surrounding, and I don't even remember it. This is an interesting point, but I think it seems kind of obvious to everyone here. Um, but if you remember that Rashi was, Rashi was writing in the 11th century when the novel was like just beginning to be invented, it's a pretty decent criticism about narrative focus. We can go. That's not a joke. Yeah. <laughs> I just got a flash of like that part in The Princess Bride. Oh, about the, the whole thing where he talks about the book, right? The book. I yeah. mean, the abridged version. Yes. <laughs> where he cuts out all these lists of like people packing before they go on trips. It's that 300 had, like, pages right. long of people packing. <laughs> but there was political significance when the fake book was written. Well, you think that like packing with political significance would be like packing. Yes. I, I just imitated a gun for the internet <laughs> people. Um, but it wasn't. It was there was like a satirical close. purpose to it. <laughs> um, and, 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 and that phrase, like, one way or another, th three months passed. Oh, he, yes. He reduces 300 pages to one way or another, three months passed. Yes. <laughs> so not to um, imply that the Bible can be analyzed as literature or anything, but um, in, <laughs> I, I, took, I, I took this literature class. Um, I, I'm doing my MFA at Brooklyn College. Yeah. And... Um, 
and there's, there, we did a class called Time Management, and we spent an entire month on Virginia Woolf. And, um, <laughs> and he's looking at his watch. No, Sorry, no, no. I just needed to name drop Virginia Woolf once yeah. over the course of the Bible. Um, and, there, and, and in her book, To the Lighthouse, there's like 100 pages about one, one afternoon, and then 10 pages about 10 years, and then another 100 pages about like another afternoon 10 years later. Right. And it feels real. I, I I get it. I feel like I didn't totally get the Bible until I like sat through two hundred pages of Virginia Woolf. <laughs> um, and and I love Virginia Woolf, not necessarily while I'm reading her, but like afterward, I feel like I I, I went somewhere. I did something. Yeah. Um, I got a little bit older. And <laughs> and it it really is Ten that years. focus. It's like it's like bullet time where it's like okay, this moment we're shooting with two hundred cameras and it's gonna like pan entirely around right. you. Because yeah. this is 200 times more important than one chosen. Exactly. It's, I mean, it's, it's a very sophisticated literary device that's being used right now where it's kind of zooming in on Yaakov and his family, even though we just did 700 years worth of kings, basically. I know. Yeah. And, and they're dead. Yes. <laughs> These are his stories. Yosef was 17 years old <laughs> and, like his brothers, a shepherd. He was just a kid. Rashi again, sorry. He claims that this means Yosef just being a kid or a youth would uh, do his hair and groom his eyes, which I understand to mean that Yosef was into guy liner. <laughs> and hung out with Bilhah and Zilpah's sons. The sons Yaakov didn't love. By the way, yes. really strange that like Egyptians were actually into... Yeah, no, they were into guy liner. Did, it's not were, a... were, were the like, Canaanites also? Probably. I mean, I've, I don't know much about ancient Near Eastern... Or is it makeup, like, but <laughs> or is it foreshadowing? It might be foreshadowing of what's going to happen Yosef's to Yosef like, in the future. One day, my my like makeup techniques will like <laughs> bring me second in command. To par. Exactly. I just gave it away. Sorry. Um, <laughs> he was just a kid and hung out with Bilha and Zilpah's sons. He'd snitch to their father about the bad things they did. Since Yosef was born when Yisrael was old, he loved him more than the other sons and made him a nice shirt. Not a coat of many colors. This was just a nice shirt or a woolen shirt, tailored probably from the Bronze Age equivalent of Brooks Brothers. Or I like to think of it that it was just a white t-shirt and on the front it said, Dad loves me. (laughs) And then on the back it said, more than you. (laughs) Yosef's brothers could tell their father liked Yosef the most. Because of the shirt. (laughs) They hated him and never said a single nice thing to him. Yosef dreamt a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, it just made them hate him even more. Listen to this dream I dreamt, he said. Oh, just stop, Yosef. All of us were in the field binding sheaves of grain when mine rose up. Your sheaves all gathered around mine and bowed down to it. You think you're a king who's going to rule over us, his brothers said? Oh, man, millennials, am I right? You're going to be our ruler? They hated him even more then because of his dreams and his snitching. Yosef dreamt another dream. He told this one to his brothers too. Oh, learn from your mistakes, Yosef. (laughs) I dreamt another dream. He told this dream to his father and his brothers. They all sighed at once. (laughs) Behold, the sun, the moon, and 11 stars bowed down to me. What kind of dream is that? His father scolded him. Are all of us, me, your mother, and your brothers, going to bow down to you? Yeah, Yosef, that's ridiculous. Your mother's dead. <laughs> Yosef's brothers were jealous of him. His father kept an eye on it. So before we move to the next chapter, just if you're following along with Andrew Lloyd Webber's Joseph the Amazing Technicolor Dream Goat, these were the songs covered, Joseph's Coat and Joseph's Dreams. <laughs> <laughs> this is Genesis 37.1. Yes, yes? I want to defend you. Okay. 
because they laughed. Yes. By the way, there's a there, there's a literary tradition in in the Torah that like at the end of every break, um, the, you um, some some like older editions of the Torah list like all of the all of the commandments that were given over in this chapter, mm-hmm. and um and and then like there's a newer thing that um David Feinstein, the son of Moshe Feinstein, who was like be the like the boss of the Lower East Side <laughs> before you took that it over. That sounds dangerous. He, he was dangerous. He like outlawed things like boom and then all of a sudden nobody in the world could do them who was Orthodox Jews. So he outlawed <laughs> things for like a few hundred people. Mm-hmm. Um, he, so David Fe- Harav David Feinstein um, would, do, would do this thing where um, he, he, he would like add up the amount of verses in each Parsha and and like and compose an acronym out of it and right. that meant something about the Parsha that was very deep and meaningful. So and I can't remember songs from a musical. Songs from a musical. <laughs> it's a very similar tradition. <laughs> this is Genesis thirty-seven twelve to thirty-seven thirty-six, or in the beginning chapter thirty-eight, in which Yosef's brothers are not at all nice to him. Yosef's brothers went out to fetch their father. By the way, father. I love that you're saying Yosef. <laughs> you know what? I learned it from my kids. Oh. <laughs> That's I, wonderful. I was, I was like, I'm never going to say oi because like it, there's no like yod after the cholam, and and all of a sudden like my five year old's like, no, it's not Yosef. Um, Yosef's brothers, <laughs> and and now that like become, I, I'm getting my accent from my five year old and my three year old. Okay, <laughs> shout out. Yosef's brothers went to fetch, went out to watch their father's flock in Shechem. Remember Shechem, the town Levi and Shimon genocided as con- after convincing all the men there to get circumcised? Now it's where they graze their sheep. <laughs> now, your brothers are pasturing in Shechem, Yaakov said to Yosef. I'm going to send you to them. I am here, Yosef said. Go and make sure your brothers and the sheep are okay. Then come back and tell me what's going on. Yaakov sent Yosef from the valley of Hebron. When Yosef got to Shechem, he found a man wandering in a field. What do you want? The man asked him. I'm looking for my brothers, Yosef said. Please tell me where they're pasturing. They're gone, the man said. I heard them say they were going to Dotan. How did he know? Yosef went after his brothers and found them in Dotan. The brothers saw him coming from afar. Before he got there, they hatched a plot. Murder him. Oh, look if it isn't Mr. Dream Master, they said. Let's kill him and toss him in one of these pits. We'll say a wild animal killed him. Then we'll see about those dreams of his. Jesus. <laughs> Wrong testament, dude. I know. <laughs> Ruvain heard this, but saved Yosef from his brother's clutches. You know, Ruvain said, let's not murder him. Maybe we can not spill his blood. Let's just throw him into the pit in the middle of the desert. Don't lay a hand on him. I guess don't lay a hand on him is a on him as a metaphor because throwing him in a pit would be laying a hand on him. <laughs> Ruvain did this so he could save Yosef and return him safely to his oh, father. Oh, show don't tell, Bible. <laughs> when Yosef got to his brothers, they ripped his shirt off, his nice shirt. Then they <laughs> threw him in... <laughs> He's laughing and he wrote it. <laughs> then they threw him into the pit after throwing his nice shirt off. The pit was empty. It had no water. Rashi points out this is pretty redundant. Why is the repetition necessary? To inform us that while the pit had no water, it did have plenty of snakes and scorpions. The brothers sat down to eat bread. <laughs> Leaving your brother to die is hungry work. <laughs> they looked up and saw a caravan of Yishmaelim coming from Gilad. Distant cousins. Their camels carried all sorts of spices, balsam, and birthwort. 
They were traveling to Mitzrayim. So instead of balsam, which is what I use, uh, the King James Version of the Bible translates that second one as balm because they're coming from Gilad. And since they've left that place, taking the balm, there is now no balm in Gilad. <laughs> now I hang my head in shame for having written that. <laughs> balm. What do we have to gain from killing our brother and, coveting his, and covering his blood, Yehuda said? Let's sell him to these Yishmaelim. Yish, uh, sorry, Yehuda is using Jewish logic to save Yosef. Why murder our brother when we cannot murder our brother and make money at the same time? <laughs> I wish I would have read that with you so it would have been like a chorus. Oh, like, uh, like Greek chorus. And make money at the same time. <laughs> our hands will not hurt him. After all, he is our brother. The brothers thought this sounded like a pretty good deal. A group of Midianite traders came by. Also cousins. They pulled Yosef out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelim for 20 pieces of silver. They um, brought... Yeah. So I, I have a whole long footnote here about how there's like some pronoun confusion um, and it's unclear who threw him in the pit or picked him up and sold him to who and who brought him to Mitzrayim, but who cares? <laughs> they brought Yosef to Mitzrayim. It's only interesting to me, I promise. <laughs> Ruvain returned to the pit. Yosef was gone. Ruvain tore his clothing. Just like Jews do now after um, somebody's buried and throughout the Shiva, there's a tear on the clothing. Actually, yeah. conservative Jews, um, <laughs> this is unbelievable. Um, actually, it's not unbelievable because people believe it. Um, conservative Jews, um, you don't like actually rip your clothes. You get like a pin with a ribbon attached to it, like a black pin with nothing on it. Wow. Um, and a black ribbon and you tear the ribbon. So you're actually like getting a new clothes and then like ripping the it clothes ribbon. Um, so you don't, so you, so you save your shirt. That's good. <laughs> Jews. He returned to his brothers. The boy is gone. He said, what do I do now? The brothers took Yosef's nice shirt, slaughtered a kid goat, and dipped the shirt in its blood. They sent it off, and it was taken to Yaakov. By whom? Probably some of the children they captured in Shechem. Oh. oh. We found this, they said to him. Do you recognize it? Is it your son's, your son's shirt or not? Hmm? Oh. Yaakov recognized it. My son's shirt, he said. Some monstrous beast ate him. Yosef's been ripped apart. Yaakov tore his robe and wore, a, and wore a sack as underwear. He mourned over his son for many days. All his sons and all his daughters... Wait, daughters? Plural? Okay. <laughs> ...arose to console him, but he refused to be comforted. I will go to hell mourning my son, he said. So this is a crazy one. This is the first instance of the word Sheol, which is where Yaakov says he'll bring his mourning. I translated it as, I'll go to hell, as sort of an idiom, um, and so do most moderns, or, or a lot of people use the word grave here. The older understanding is hell, and people use this verse as evidence for the existence of hell as a place in Jewish thought. Whatever the translation, Yaakov is being very dramatic. It's also touchingly Jewish that he's like, go to hell, uh, talking about himself. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and Yosef's father cried for him. The Midianites... Yeah, whatever. <laughs> okay, the Midianites sold Yosef to Mitzrayim, to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's eunuchs and captain of the cooks. So, again, most translations uh, say that Potiphar is a courtier of Pharaoh, or of uh, Pharaoh, um, but here the word is, but the word is sris, which apparently means eunuch, according to a lot of sources that I've checked. The dude was a eunuch, which explains a lot of what's to come next month. 
Also, it's pretty weird that most English translators don't think it's important to let us know this man has no dick. Anyway, that's been chapter 38. Thank you, Matthew Roth, for reading. I think that's all the time we have. But you should say the reading. songs. Yes. Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, songs from Joseph the Amazing Technicolor Dreamco covered in this chapter. Poor, poor Joseph and one more angel in heaven. Thank you, Matthew. So now we come to the part in the show called the Devar Torah, um, which if you want to be incredibly literal, no, 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 we still need you. I still need you. <laughs> it's not over. Get your beer. Sorry, um, <laughs> which literally means Torah word. Um, so can you summarize everything that we've just read into one single word? Love it. <laughs> Man who wants to drink. My word was brothers. Because um, if there's one thing that you have to be wary of in the Bible, it's your brothers. <laughs> Things don't go well for sibling rivalries, at least so far. And Esau is Yaakov's brother, so it ties in thematically. I usually have something nice to say, um, but I, I, I couldn't think of anything interesting about these chapters. I want to say What do you want to say? No, go ahead. Roommates. 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 I like Because roommates are like brothers, but you're not like bonded to them forever. And this is like the ancient Middle East where we're, we're talking about where like lots of shit goes down. Yeah. Um, and, and you get all, like, I, at first when you gave me these chapters, I was like, why, are all the, where, why is there all of these, this begetting going on and all of these clan lists? Like, I, I've played Pokemon. I know how clans work. <laughs> but like, <laughs> nobody laughs because nobody else has played Pokemon. Nope. Um, oh, thank One you. hand goes up, John. Okay. Oh, okay. We have oh, some Pokemon. awesome. <laughs> We're totally having a match after this. Um, and 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 the way it works is that like people are brothers, but they're also like competitors. And and you're in a big vast desert with like few places, few places where there are water and few places that are inhabitable. Um, and so so that's why I would say roommates because you're sharing the same space, but you're not necessarily like blood bonded. Yeah. I want to tie these together thematically. There's, I really want to, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm just going to fail. I just, I'm really excited about um, that we got, I got to this because uh, Yosef is my favorite, or the story of Yosef is my favorite cycle of Genesis. I'm glad it's like this long, long narrative that stretches across like a third of the book, and I'm really pumped because that doesn't really exist that much uh, throughout the Torah. So that's really exciting. I'm excited to keep going. Next month, there's like a short interlude, a really freaky interlude, and then we get right back into the story, and that's it for the rest of it. The one thing that I was going to say, actually, now that I think about it, is that um, God has kind of disappeared. Um, and is going to be gone for a little while. Like, um, God never disappears. God never disappears, but you can't I mean... see God, so disappearing is kind of redundant. He's not really a, a big part of the narrative for a little while. Like, up to this point, it's, it's been a lot about, um, like, covenants between Avraham and God, Yitzchak and God uh, secondarily, or Yaakov and God. And for the Yosef story, God is working behind the scenes, so to speak. So, get ready for that. <laughs> Anyway, Matthew, do you have any plugs? Do you want uh, any way that our audience can check you out on the internet or buy things from you or give you money? I, <laughs> my address, I have a website, um, matthew.com, it's spelled weird, M-A-T-T-H-U-E dot com, um, C-O-M, and um, I don't know, come say hi. There's yeah. books Go or there's like blog. Go to Mason and Mug and get some delicious Jew, uh, Jewish food. Get some delicious kosher food. And beer. Yeah, and wine. And wine. And sake. And sake. Yeah. And sake cocktails. Awesome. 
Uh, you can listen to the show. You can find the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash OMG Bible, Twitter at OMG WTF Bible, Tumblr, OMG WTF Bible.tumblr.com. Our website is OMG WTF Bible.com. Everything goes there. Listen on Stitcher, iTunes, podcast app. Please share the show with as many people as you possibly can. Rate and review us on iTunes. It really helps. Um, that's if you like it. If you don't like it, um, write me a crazy email and I'll read it on the show. Um, <laughs> I want to thank this time around Ephraim Rinsky, uh, Rabbi Uter, for letting Woo! us do this here. Um, our audio engineer, John Passaro, Wendy Chin for making the uh, marketing materials again. Matthew Roth, let's thank Matthew. Woo! Our live audience, our listeners, please join us for episode 18 with Ari Mandelic, The Gathering of the Tribes, February 20th at 8 p.m. And make sure to listen because next month in the Bible, Judah gets freaky.